Hello, hello, beautifuls. How are you today? Or might be evening. Not sure when you're going to be listening. (laughs) But I hope that you either had a day that was encountering or that if you are starting your day or in the middle of your day, that you encounter something amazing today, right? Um, That God either reveals something to you or you have an encounter, even if you have to make that encounter, um, but that you have an encounter that just brings clarity to you today. Um, I love it when I learn something new or when God reveals something to me or I get the opportunity to uh, share the word with someone in some significant way. You know, I, I, I try my hardest, um, right, to say, Lord, where are either those doors or windows that you want me to walk through on a daily basis um, and not be so caught up in myself? But um, I have a couple announcements uh, to make and a couple of thoughts that I wanted to share with you today. I do ask that you, oh, you're listening to Aisha Kreitz with Clubbing Seals. Not with the peanut gallery, though. (laughs) Haven't had the peanut gallery with us for a little bit. Uh, It's hard to get everyone together or just a few of us together. Everyone's so busy, election season and everything. But um, please keep me in your prayers as we talk about election season. Uh, we will be on the road heading to Atlanta for the Frederick Douglass, Douglass Leadership Institute conference uh, down in Atlanta. And yes, um, we will be driving. Why? Because I don't want to take the chance of, I don't know, I'm trying to make me mask or do anything like that uh, on the uh, airplane. And I just, I can't deal. So I'm like, you know what? It'll be a good time for me and my husband too to have a little bit of a vacation. We don't get to spend as much time just one-on-one together um, as I'd like. Um, you know, he lets me gallivant around and uh, do the things that I feel like I'm called to do. Hopefully, I really am. Um, but yeah, so just keep us in our prayers. You know, I love these conferences with Frederick Douglass Foundation, with Douglass Leadership Institute. And I know, right, it's like people, can I go all the way to Atlanta? Right, yeah, you know, I like it. I don't like it when it's in D.C., but D.C. is closer. But, you know, these things are so great. I have to tell you, the, the people, the caliber of people that come to these um, conferences or when we put something together... You know, these are most of the time, I mean, if you go and look at the website and see who's coming, I mean, some of them you'll probably know immediately. Others you may not know at all, but I will tell you, each and every one of them are doers. These are people a lot of times behind the scenes get none of the credit, but they are the thinkers and the doers and those who a lot of the, right, you see the public faces, the public things that are out there and and, and what people are saying or, you know, Um, pretending maybe like they're doing sometimes but a lot of those thoughts and think tank type of things are coming from these people Um, and you know I am always blessed I am always not only the camaraderie right I get to see people that 
you know, we, we do Zoom calls and different things like that. But maybe once a year if I'm lucky. Um, and right now we haven't done anything for the last couple of years. Well, we had some leadership meetings um, in Virginia and stuff like that. But for the most part, because of COVID, haven't been able to get people together. And this is, you know, these open conferences, you know, a lot of people that I'm either online with or again, that you see them and passing through Zoom and stuff, but we don't get a time to like, oh, hey, how you doing? And give a hug and stuff like that and really sit together. And so I do love that part as well. But really, um, again, the, the speakers and the things that I'm able to learn are always awesome. And then, of course, if I get to present, there's always that. But anyway, so all of that to say, <laughs> please keep me in your prayers um, and our family and my animals and everything, you know, house sitters and kids and everything that has to still run smoothly at our house, um, even while we're gone, you know, uh, keep us in your prayers. Anyway, I will be back right after this. And that was my jam back in the day. Oh, okay, one of my jams, you know. Uh, I have walked a very lonely life. You know, it's um, I I I think one of the, I guess I mean I don't want to say cool things, right? Because it's not really cool, but I don't know a, a better word to use at this moment. Um, one of the neat things um, about my life. Um, or about God, right? And how he um, is able to impact or direct our lives um, is, so the song, right? Born to Walk Alone. I honestly, I've thought about this a lot that my life, just the way that, I, you know, I grew up and stuff and the type of loneliness and rejection. And I know we all feel that, you know, but I think those of us who come from these severely broken homes and, you know, type of abuse and stuff, rejection becomes um, something that, right, it either fuels you or breaks you, right? And for me, especially being an activist, right, there is very little type of rejection that anyone can give that causes me to then you know, like change my mind or, you know, I mean, like that, that is not a deciding factor for me, right? Not only before I had Jesus, it wasn't a deciding factor. Like I'm like, whatever, you know, your own mom rejects you. Uh, really, what are you going to do? I don't even know you. And you are trying to, you know, uh, put me in a corner and pretend like I don't exist or ignore me or reject me. I mean, like it, it, it really doesn't have much effect on me, those type of things, you know? Um, but then, excuse me, when I accepted Christ into my life and began building a relationship with him, I realized, well, A, I've never been alone, but B, I will never be alone again, right? Because God is truly always with me, right? As, as I abide in Christ, as 
I look at Jesus's life and, you know, right. And it's like, he said, it's not me that they reject, but God. Right. Um, and if they rejected Jesus for being probably a lot kinder than I am, of course, they're going to reject you. Right. But that rejection, maybe it's protection, right? There, there are those things, but then as well, maybe that rejection, um, it has nothing to do with you. And again, in the, in the political realm, I mean, you really have to keep that um, kind of at the forefront. A lot of these things are not personal. Um, when people, especially when you're like in a primary or when you're, uh, you know, battling back and forth, you know, ideology with a uh, constituent or, well, I don't have a constituent because I don't run for office. Um, but you know, if I'm talking to those who are running for office or those who are in who are office and we're having policy disagreements or um, bill disagreements, those things, I, you know, a lot of those things are not personal and I don't take them personal. And anyone who is in this um, space, right, you have to not take it personal, right? Sometimes you have to do things alone. God plus one is a majority. That's it. And if God is calling you to do a particular thing, then you have to go and do that. But there's a caveat to that. You need to make sure that it was God who was calling you to it, right? I know, I mean, I've gotten myself uh, in various pickles or thinking that, you know, I was on the righteous straight and narrow path of yes, charge, God is there. And then realizing I I never even asked God if he wanted me to do this. All I did was ask God to bless what I was doing, right? And that's not what he actually asks us to do, right? I am supposed to get my heart right. I am supposed to go and bring myself before the throne and say, Lord, what is your will? What is your purpose? Right? What's even what's your not just what's your purpose in my life, right? In, in, in any particular moment, but what is your purpose for what you would have me do? Right? And that's I think where sometimes we realize that he's not going to tell us, right? I mean, just because you're praying doesn't mean God's gonna A give you an answer at all. Sometimes he's just gonna say, Hey, hold off. That's not for you to know right now. Sometimes he'll say no. Sometimes he'll say yes. Sometimes he gives you a little piece of the answer. Sometimes he says, just trust me, right? There, there's a whole, it's a conversation, right? Prayer is not something that we are just, you know, Oh, out into the atmosphere. I'm just talking, right? And I mean, sometimes I have groanings and utterings where I have nothing more to say. And my prayer is just Jesus. But again, then I'm not asking for advice or saying, okay, Lord, what would you have me do in this particular instance? And again, I think that's a little bit of the danger that we get in. It's like, I want to go and do this. I might see an injustice, right? And say, oh, the way to handle this injustice, the way to solve this injustice is to go down this path. Lord, okay, I know that you want victory because I know you don't want to see the injustice that is going on here. But I didn't actually say, Lord, what is the path to victory? And let me sit and wait and say, Lord, give me a way. 
what would you have me do here? Um, and is it my time to jump in this fight? Is it even for me? Um, and again, I, I have been completely guilty of this and I had to learn uh, the hard way that, well, maybe you didn't win that particular battle because it wasn't a battle God wanted you to be in, Aisha, right? Or maybe you took the battle up, but you didn't put on the right battle gear. You didn't do it the way that God said, this is the way for victory. And I missed the mark. the mark but anyway so politically speaking whoop, whoop, um there are quite a few things that are going on right now uh one of them i don't know if anyone saw well actually i'm, I'm sure a lot of you have heard or saw about uh, kanye west and he did the him and candace did the white lives matter um candace owens and kanye west the the, the shirts that said you know, white lives matter. And, you know, Hey, you know, more power to you. I am not in any way, shape or form here to tell people what they should or shouldn't do. Right. For me, it's not necessarily my flavor. Okay. I love, I will. So let me start with this. I love the fact that they are, um, you know, I love it when people trigger other people. Do you know what I mean? Like I troll my own page, um, on like Facebook and social media and stuff like that. But I also, um, uh, love, you know what I mean? I, I try, I troll my own pages because I love sometimes just to make people think, right? So in one instance, when we're talking about this whole thing with Kanye and, um, uh, Candace, that yes, absolutely, they are taking it. I, I think they're making people think about the hypocrisy of this whole Black Lives Matter thing. I don't necessarily agree with right White Lives Matter, but again, it, it, when we talk about White Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, right? You've heard me say before. You'll hear me say again that. Uh, if you can say black lives matter, you have to be able to say white lives matter. If you're going to say white lives matter, you have to be able to say, you know, uh, black lives matter. If you're going to say blue lives matter, then black lives matters, white lives matter, right? It just comes down to this whole idea that all lives matter. That's where we should be at. And granted, I think that we have an issue that the black community itself is on fire, right? And and when we say the black community, actually I did a live, if you look at my Facebook, about what does it mean to be black? Um, and there are a lot of things, uh, you know, I asked the question rhetorically just because I want to, again, make people think about the issue. And there is a reckoning coming and we have to think about, well, what does it mean, right, to be black, to be white to be anything you know what i mean like these are actual cultural and socio-economical economic 
issues. They're not skin color issues because depending on where and what you live, you know, will depend on how you may act, right? I love country music. Yeah, black girl, love country music. I wear cowboy boots. I love cowboy hats. People look at me like I'm crazy and sometimes like, oh, I should take it off. But then I'm like, no, why should I? This is me, right? But you have an expectation of me that is something that isn't me. You know, um, I listen to punk music. I love hardcore, um, like heavy metal music, but I also love classical music, but I also love, I love old school rap music. I, I, I do like, um, old Tribe Called Quest or, uh, I don't know if anyone even knows what the Jazzmatazz, one of Guru Jazzmatazz, one of the most underrated, uh, albums of all times. And I think that that is because they touched on so many real issues, um, as well as just keeping a purity of the music and jazz, which I love as well, right? So I have all these eclectic tastes. Does that make me less black, right? That's kind of what I was talking about um, in this, um, it was like a Facebook Live that I did. Because what does that mean? right? What does it mean to be black? If it's just my skin color, then fine. You know, again, but I think that as a society, we have to define that because there are a lot of things that's going on. Maybe I'll put the link to that particular live in this, um, like in the description and you can go up, but I don't, I don't want to get into it. Uh, going back to this white lives matter thing. Again, I, <laughs> whether or not we, you know, I wouldn't wear the shirt. I wouldn't buy the shirt. Um, I appreciate what I think they're trying to do, right? Which is point out the inconsistencies and the lies of what is going on. That part I love. Um, at the same time, right? The black community is on fire, especially when we think about abortion and stuff like that. And, so there are some parts like that whole Black Lives Matter part. There is something that we could peel away from that and we should talk about whether it's the broken family. But again, when we look at broken families, um, now we are talking across the board. We have 60% out of wedlock births. And so, you know, there's a lot that's going on um, that we need to talk about. Anyway, um, let me skip over. Let me talk about a couple other things. I have two other things that I want to talk about. One, we had the Florida um, hurricane coming. And I was reading like this art, one article and it was talking about um, as Ian's uh, death tolls rise and why didn't more Floridians evacuate, right? Well, again, that hurricane, you know, think about, um, I don't know if anyone remembers um, Andrew, Hurricane Andrew, that was also a devastating, um, hurricane. And again, remember the Louisiana when they had their, um, hurricane, you know, people don't evacuate. So if those of you who are from like the up North area or aren't around hurricanes a lot, um, I just want to say this one thing, and then I'm going to move on to my next subject and last subject before I end the podcast. You listen to Aisha Crates with Club and Seals. Whoop, whoop. Um, no peanut gallery. Again, 
Um, I really need a peanut gallery. I gotta start doing these back with peanut galleries because I loved it. Um, but so I've been in, in a lot of hurricanes. So I grew up in Key West, Florida, a lot of hurricanes. And um, one thing, one thing I will say, right? If it is a fast-moving hurricane that just comes in and out, does its destruction and leaves, you know, I mean, if it's not a Cat Four uh, hurricane we wouldn't be, we wouldn't leave. It just is what it is. It's just like if you live up north and you have the storms, the same thing. Get the water. Oh, the storm, the snowstorm is coming, right? Like I noticed so many parallels between the two of those things that it's crazy. And I realized that the first few years that I lived up north, like in Rochester, New York, um, that they will look at things and, you know, they have all the meteorologists and other things and they're telling you how horrible it's going to be. And then you get like a dusting of snow. So hurricanes are kind of a similar type of thing, right? You don't know what they're going to do actually. And they can move anytime. And this, I am, right, we didn't know where it was going to hit either. Um, actually, we were driving right into the hurricane, my mom uh, lives in Donnellan, Florida, which is again, uh, it's like Traverse, Florida, or, um, probably about an hour, hour and a half outside of Orlando, but on the West coast and Ocala, Florida. So think Ocala, that type of area. And they were thinking that it might hit there, might hit Tampa. And then last minute, right, it hits in Fort Myers. And you just don't know where those hurricanes might hit. So I think that's part of the reason why people don't evacuate because you're like, you know, and those people who are used to hurricanes, you can, do, there's a lot of things that you can do, um, to, uh, board up and to prepare for a hurricane, especially if, um, you are in an area that, um, gets hit a lot and stuff like that. People do do those things. So they'll stay. My brother was in Key West, Florida at the time that the hurricane hit. He doesn't live there, but he was down there on vacation. He pulled his boat out of the water and, you know, just and hung out. Cause again, in Key West, I mean, Key West hurricanes are usually more devastating because a lot of people live in trailers and different things like that. Oh, at least when I grew up, I think things are a little bit different now, but so when they're asking, right, they're putting the new, why didn't more people evacuate? That's why. Because you just don't know, right? I, I had a friend actually that was in Bradenton, Florida. I did call her. I said, listen, this, you need to leave. Because regardless if it was going to hit in Tampa or not, or, you know, again, more down south, I wasn't sure if it was going to hit more up north towards my mom. But I was worried because that, that hurricane was moving so slowly. And that's what's devastating about these hurricanes. Like if it's fast moving in and out, then yes, it can be devastating, but then it's gone. But like Andrew, like Ian, um, or Ian, however you want to say that, um, they can be more devastating because they're just sitting there. Right? I think Andrew sat in like one place at a time for like 18 hours. And that is just massive. That's something you want to get out of. And we knew this hurricane was 10 miles an hour. So I told my friends that were in the area, I was like, you guys need to leave, right? But they're also from New York. So, you know, sometimes you want to be tough. Sometimes you want to stick things out and you really shouldn't, you know? So there is that stuff as well. 
um, for people who just think that they can, you know, heed the warnings, but at the same time, stick it out. So th that's really why. That's why I think people um, didn't evacuate. It's because you're so used to it that you just can't help it. Um, last issue, excuse me, um, that I want to talk about, if that's okay. So this one might also trigger people. Okay. This is, might be my last trigger of the evening. So Herschel Walker and, uh, his son, Christian Walker, actually with Christian Walker, no lies can I detect from, I went, I listened to people were asking me kind of stuff about what I thought about Christian Walker, Herschel Walker, all those things. So, um, full disclosure. Yes. Um, I would like to see Herschel Walker win a, um, because Warnock is evil beyond belief. Um, B, um, full disclosure. Yes. Frederick Douglass foundation, DLI. I, we, there are things that we are doing to help him to win that election. Uh, not because he is a Christian conservative, but it is more about getting Warnock out of there because we were involved in trying to not get him elected the first time. Mm. So full disclosure before I say what I'm about to say with that said, yeah, I think that Herschel Walker should have gotten in front of a lot of things that he said, just like Christian Walker said, right? If you paid for a woman to have an abortion, just admit it. Um, I think that's part of the problem that we have as a society in general is that the stigma and shame of abortion is there as a post-abortive woman myself. I know that it took a lot for God to just work on me to be able to talk about my abortion abortions right so I have three living children and I have three dead children two of them absolutely considered abortions one of those three a lot of people wouldn't consider an abortion because it was an ectopic pregnancy but I took the morning after pill so I do, you know, I had no, I never had an ectopic pregnancy. I don't think they've been running my family. So me having taken the morning after pill and then having the ectopic pregnancy, I do believe that is what, um, so I, I consider an abortion because even though it wasn't a viable pregnancy at that time, I think there's a lot of methods that they can do now that change that, that maybe, you know, you can take it and then reimplant it into the uterus and stuff like that. But again, at that time, I don't think that was something that was common. So I do consider it an abortion because of that, because I took the morning after pill and we've seen a rise in ectopic pregnancies because of the morning after pill. Um, and that's a whole nother podcast. Won't get into that. But when it comes to Christian Walker, I mean, he's just coming out and saying, yeah, my, my family life sucked. And Herschel wasn't the greatest. And I think that Herschel should own up to that and say, yep, did a lot of really crappy things. Wasn't the best husband, wasn't the best um, father. And yes, I did some horrific things like maybe paid for an abortion. And I need to get healing and forgiveness out of those things. I think that if he did those things, it would take it a step further into 
um, ingratiating himself to others. And I think that's what Christian Walker was saying is that he's for his father and he realizes that probably private conversations that they've had that he realizes that he's made mistakes, but just admit them in public. Um, and I think that if he did that, he would have a lot more standing, uh, than what is going on now. So, yeah. Um, I think that, you know, and I, again, I, I've seen some things, uh, from, uh, conservatives, you know, again, don't wipe the things under the rug. You have to stop doing that. We have to hold our own accountable and say, no, Herschel, I'm sorry. You did, you did terrible things. It's not okay. Come clean about it because he needs healing and forgiveness as well. I know that for myself that, you know, with the abortion situation, right, that forgiven and set free, those two things help me to be able to talk about um, the injustice that I did to my children, that I murdered my children, that I am the mother of a dead child, right? And as a father, he should also take ownership for that. Um, if I lived in Georgia, would I vote for him anyway? Sure would, right? Isn't he in Georgia or is it North Carolina? I think it's Georgia. But I would vote for him either way because getting rid of Warnock is so paramount. But anyway, that's my two cents. Thank you for listening to me, Aisha Kreitz, uh, with Clubbing Seals. And um, I am hoping, so next time on my show, actually I am going to talk about the 10 unchangeable things in our life that we have to deal with and how we are the image bearers of God. So I hope you will check in with us next time. And thank you so much. If you have any questions, if you have any concerns, uh, let me know and we will, I'll get to those as well. All right. Talk to you later. Pax. Peace. I'm out.